Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. with us in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number 4, Philippians chapter number 4, and I'll look at one verse and then we'll look at several other verses through the course of the message this morning. I want to look in verse number 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Not that I speak in respect of want. You know, I hear that all the time. I hear back at Christmas, we'd all, we were all talking about, well, I can't think of anything I want. And uh, that's pretty much the way most of us are in our lives. We've, uh, we've been able to gather in the things that we want and the things that we desire. And uh, for the most part, there's not anything I really want and, and hardly anything that I need. And so he says, I'm not talking about this matter of, that I want something. He said, for I have learned in whatsoever state, whatsoever condition, whatsoever the situation may be, I am therewith to be content. I'm content. And so our thought this morning, and you may have some of these notes in your Bible from a different period. I'm, I'm kind of still on, I got started late on the year. And I was out of the pulpit for so long, and so I'm still working on my New Year's messages, and here we are midway through February. But in a little while, we get away from these uh, philosophical and psychological uh, messages. We've been preaching, I've been preaching on the home the last couple of weeks, and then I want to look more in our personal lives for a moment this morning and uh, preach to you the secret to satisfaction. I've always preached this message and, and, and variations of it, the secret of satisfaction. But uh, I think that we're missing the mark when we, when we uh, conclude in our minds and our hearts that we've, you know, we're already to that place of satisfaction. I've told you about how it was at Christmas, and so many of us, so many of you, and perhaps uh, Valentine's and, and so on and so forth, you know, uh, we've, we've gathered in a whole bunch of stuff. We've got a whole bunch of things. And, and, uh, and for the most part, we're satisfied. We're satisfied. But there's a different level of satisfaction. And I contend this morning that very few people ever reach the place that Paul was talking about in his message. I have a very long introduction and a very short message this morning, but I think that everything that the Lord has led me to say is important for each and every one of us when it comes to this matter of contentment. Contentment. Honest people, honest people will say uh, that I struggle with this. Honest people. I struggle with this matter of, of satisfaction. This matter of being content. If it wasn't preaching material, it wouldn't be in the Bible. Paul is letting the church at Philippi know that there's a different level of contentment that's bigger than, that's bigger than life itself. And I think that most of us may never reach that place because we're so satisfied with all the things. Uh, we, you know, we're, 
we're satisfied with all the things for the most part, but um, there's something above all that. And the, and the apostle is addressing that in this passage of Scripture. The reality is that even though we say that we don't want anything, uh, even though we project that kind of attitude and, and lifestyle that would, you know, we're, we're fine, we've got everything, uh, we, and, um, but the reality of it is we're always looking for something else. We're always, and, and sometimes we're, it doesn't, to satisfy us, it doesn't have to be something better than what we have just so we have something else. And uh, honest people realize that. Um, and there's so many ways today, it is so easy to get stuff, isn't it? And you, you can get right on your phone and get all the stuff, more stuff than uh, your credit will allow and more stuff than uh, you can use in a lifetime. And so you see where I'm coming from this morning. And so the Bible has something to say on this matter of uh, satisfaction. And by the way, it is a secret. It is a secret, and we're going to try to look into that secret here for a few moments this morning. And, um, and so, and here's, here's some, uh, some contemporary verses to go along with it. Hebrews 13 and verse number 5. Hebrews 13 and verse number 5. Let not your conversation, or let your conversation rather, be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. That's something. Such things as you have. Be content with such things as you have, for he said... I will never leave thee, and I will never forsake thee. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so we have this promise that if we didn't have anything and we had Jesus, we'd have all we need. If we lost what we have and we have Jesus, we'd have everything that we need. Uh, this, and then the Bible said in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, in verse number 6, I hope you're taking notes this morning. But godliness, and I underline godliness, with contentment, and I underline contentment, because you've got to have both of them. I'm just telling you this morning that if you've never been saved, if you haven't trusted Christ with your Savior, you can't make this message work for you. You can follow all the outline. You can, you can follow all the instructions that I give this morning. You can, you can take every little intricate detail and apply it to your life, but if you don't have Christ in your life, you'll never be satisfied. I'm thankful that one of the wonderful things that comes with being a Christian, Brother Montgomery was talking about how happy he is in, in, in the Lord and in the Sunday school hour this morning and how, satisfi how satisfied he is in the Lord this morning. And I can tell you that after almost 50 years, I'm satisfied with Jesus, but I'm not sure how satisfied he is with me. And so this matter of but godliness with contentment is great gain. And so there's a lot of other secrets that are given to us in this passage of Scripture, a lot of other secrets that are given to us in the Word of God. 
But I'm just coming to tell you this morning that if you have God in your life and you have a good family and you have a house, a shelter to stay under and you have food for yourself and your family and you've got a job or you have an income, I tell you, you've got everything that you need. Those five things should... And, and the Lord gives us so much more than that in the Psalms. He talks about the bounties of the Lord and all of those things that are above and beyond what we need. The, the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Isn't that wonderful? We have everything that we need. And I'm, I'm not saying, you know, uh, that, you know, I, I'm like you. We're all the same way. We like things. We like stuff. Uh, we like things that we can enjoy. We like to go places and, and we like to have things and we like to do things. And, and, and God, is, it, it honors God when, when we enjoy the labor of our lives. And so we see that uh, if we have God and we have family and uh, we have a house and we have some food and we have a job or have a source of income, you have, more, you have more than 90% of the world has this morning. If you have those five things, more than 90% of the world has this morning, you have if you have those five things. I could say amen and we could go home. But let's go on. And so we're looking at the secret to satisfaction, but there's some other secrets that are given to us in God's Word. Here's the secret to success. You want to be successful? Look with me in Joshua chapter 1 in verse number 8. This book of the law, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do. Now there's some guidelines here. According to all that is therein, written therein, Underline the rest of it. For when thou shalt, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. I preach that message. I don't know how many times out of Joshua chapter one and verse number eight. You want to be successful? Look at the last word. He said, "Then you can have success." It's the only way to be successful is that this book, that the Word of God, that you have the Word of God and you obey the Word of God and you live by the Word of God and then you'll be a successful person in the eyes of God and probably others as well. I've, uh, I remember years ago, 1984, I believe it was, I was uh, privileged to go to my alma mater and, and, uh, and preach the baccalaureate service there for the graduating class at Lowndes High School. I believe it was 1984, 1984, 1983. And uh, so they, I was asked to come and preach, and uh, such an honor uh, to go back, you know, and, and uh, they had it on a Sunday night. We moved our Sunday evening service back to like 5 o'clock. I think the service out there was 6, six or 7. And, and so we were out in the stadium, and they had these, there were about 450 or 460 graduates that were sitting before me. There were about 3,000 parents and, and siblings and uh, grandparents uh, up in the, in the stands. I was out in, on the 50-yard line, right in the center of the football field. Had all of, and then they had behind all of the, uh, behind all of the, the uh, graduates that year, they had all of the staff and people that I'd known for a lifetime. What an opportunity 
And so I had the privilege, and, and that night, the moment they asked me if I'd come, and by the way, that was the last one they had, I think, and I don't know what that means. <laughs> I really don't know what it They didn't have any after I did. And, uh, but I preached from this verse to those young people and all those that were listening. If you want to have good success, follow Joshua chapter 9. Here's another secret that you can... Um, the secret to serving the Lord, the secret of service, Psalms 100 in verse number 2. He said, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. The secret to having a lengthy, and by the way, and I, ha I have a little quote, and I don't know if we have it, the, your length of service will be linked to satisfaction. Your, your length of service to the Lord will be some way linked to satisfaction. I, I've been here for 40, going on 42 years, I think. I like it here. I'm satisfied here, apparently. Many of you have been members here since the early 80s. I came in 1980, and some of you have been members here since 1980. Almost 50 years now, 40-something uh, years now. Apparently, uh, some have stayed and some have gone. Generally, when someone leaves, they're dissatisfied. If I go to a restaurant and I don't like the way things are, I'll, uh, I don't generally go back. I may give them one or two more chances. But, you know, the reality of it is, you that are Sunday school teachers, you that are bus workers, those who work in the Christian school, those who work in Impact and all the other programs that we have, the length, those who stay in the choir, your length of service will be linked to how satisfied you are. Now, let's look on. Let's look on just a little bit further, and uh, we'll get to the message here momentarily. When you come back to the book of Philippians, there are three major themes, and we're, we're leading to satisfaction now. I'll get you there in just a moment. But there's some major themes that need to be made mention of. Uh, one is the matter of joy. It's going to be hard to be satisfied if you don't have any joy. The joy of the Lord, Nehemiah said, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh, he didn't say that our prayer life was necessarily our strength. Our faithfulness was necessary, uh, necessarily our strength. Our service was not necessary. And, and the list goes, our Bible memory and all those things which are important, and I'm not discounting those things. But he said that if you want to be strong in the Lord, the secret to being strong in the Lord is to have joy. Boy, that's, you, you don't see much of that today, do you? I tell you, we are so beat down. We are so abused as Christians in this world. And that we are so misused and criticized and persecuted to a, to a degree. And uh, there's, there's been this onslaught in the last few years to try to diminish the things of God and, and put down the things of God and, and turn our society into a godless creature. Hard to have joy, isn't it? When you listen to the news and when you, you hear the broadcast and when you know what's going on, it's unsafe to be anywhere today. There was a day and hour in our nation that you could safely walk the streets and, and you, could, you could go about your everyday life and not feel like your life was in jeopardy. But that's not so today, is it? Not so today. Hard to have joy. So much discouragement and, and so many things that are happening around us, it's hard 
to even put a smile on your face. About the only time you see somebody smile is when somebody... Now, some people, and, uh, and I don't like these kind of people. I really do. But they're annoying. They have that natural smile about them. Brother Wilbur, he's not here today. But he smiles in the worst of situations. It doesn't matter how bad it is. He's always got a smile on his face. And, uh, and there's people like that. They're, you know, they, sometimes they work in uh, areas of, uh, where uh, they're receptionists, and uh, they just have that natural smile on their face. I remember years ago uh, when I, I had to get a pacemaker way back 20-something years ago, and uh, we had to go to Jacksonville, St. Vincent's, and I can still remember the smile on the lady's face that, that uh, took our paperwork and all those kind of things. The whole time that we were there waiting, she had a smile on her face. But you rarely see that. You rarely see that. And so the book of Philippians is encouraging us about our joy. And he mentions joy and rejoice and rejoicing five times in chapter number one, seven times in chapter number two, uh, three times or two or three times in chapter number three times in chapter number three, and five times in chapter number four some 18, 19, 20 times. You have to add it up again. And not only does one of the major themes in the book of Philippians, and we're getting a satisfaction, it's about joy. The second thing is about fellowship. In chapter number 1, in verse number 5, he said, the fellowship of the gospel. In chapter number 2, in verse number 1, he said, the fellowship of the Spirit. In chapter number 3 and verse number 10, it is the fellowship of his sufferings. In chapter number 4, he mentions fellow laborers and a yoke fellow. And so the, uh, the, the reality of it is, if we want to come to a place of satisfaction in our life, if we're going to ever get to where we're really satisfied, we're going to have to have joy and we're going to have to have fellowship. That's what this book is all about. You can't give, if you're saved, listen, God did not make you an island. He made you a, uh, he made a group of people to be around you and you to be around a group of people. That's why the church is so important today. The time where churches are closing their doors, we got to be careful. Uh, at a time when people are taken away from uh, church time, and uh, we, we, we were that way for a little while. We were trying to, be prudent. We're trying to walk circumspectively through all of this over the last two or three years now. And But I'm telling you, it's time to have church. It's time to have church. And so you must have fellowship. And then hurriedly, he comes to satisfaction. Three major themes is joy, fellowship, and satisfaction. Chapter number one, Verse number 21, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so there's satisfaction in life and death. There's satisfaction in life and death. I don't remember a time that we've seen so much death uh, than over the last couple of years. Not so much lately, but there was a period of time. I lost several pastor friends and uh, I'm on the... Um, Executive Board of the Georgia Association of Christian Schools, we lost two administrators in that period of time. And the list just goes on and on and on. And, uh, but whether it be life or whether it be death, 
there can be satisfaction. Here's another one, chapter number 2 and verse number 13, if you're taking notes. He said, to will and to do of his good pleasure. To will and to do. In uh, chapter number 3, in verse number 7, even in gain and loss, life and death, willing and doing, it's not enough just to know the will of God, but you've got to do the will of God. And uh, then in chapter number 3, it's a matter of gain and loss. He said that gain to me those things I counted lost for Christ. And then finally in chapter number 4 in our text, we get back to this matter of satisfaction. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now let me say this before we conclude this morning. I've talked a lot about satisfaction. I've talked a lot about a contentment. But the reality of it is there's, there's not anything wrong and it's not sinful to be ambitious. I'm not trying to get you to be, become some lazy person sitting in the corner somewhere. But, and, uh, but on the other hand, there's not anything wrong with being ambitious. If it wasn't that people in years gone by were... were it, it, it's not a sin to be satisfied, but it's not a sin to be ambitious either. It's not, a free, it's not necessarily a sin to have too little, and it's not necessarily a sin to have too much. Some of the richest people in the history of the world, they're recorded in this book that's before me. And had it not been that somebody along the line somewhere was ambitious, we would still believe that the earth is flat and the moon's made out of cheese. We'd still be riding around horseback. We'd be washing clothes with a scrub board. We'd be cooking our meals on a wood stove. Nothing wrong with ambition. Nothing wrong with trying to have a better life and make a better life. I know that every adult, every parent, they want to make a better life for their children than they themselves had. Anything wrong with that? As long as you keep God in the equation. As long as, long as God is foremost in what you're doing. And so we see in our text that there is this matter of satisfaction. My pages go on and on and on. The Bible said in the book of Proverbs, slothfulness cast into a deep sleep and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. And so there's not anything wrong with ambition. In our text, and then I'll give you the three points and we'll be done very quickly. Notice uh, in, in verse number one, there's a message in every one of these verses. That's why I can just preach from one today. There's a message in, in verse number one. There's a secret to love, and that is to stand fast. Verse number one. There's a secret to unity. You want to have unity in your home? You want to have unity in your church? Who knows if our nation will ever come back to the place? You've got to have the same mind. It's very simple to have unity. Be of the same mind. Have the same purpose in mind. Oh, to God that we could get the politicians once again to where it's not about them, and it's, but it's about our land and our nation and our children and our families and our homes. They're long past any of that. Long past any of that. I don't know if they'll ever return, but there's a secret to Unity, and that's to be of the same mind. Makes a church work. You know, one of the, one of the wonderful things that, of the many that I love about this church, this church 
it, I was talking to someone recently, and they were they were asking me. Said, you know, well, you know, what is it about victory that you know the things that they do and all those kind of things? I said that this church, from the very beginning, from its inception in 1968, 1969, it's had a it's had a mission of going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I believe that if you can stay focused on that as a church and uh, you don't worry about, you know, uh, the socialites and you don't worry about, you know, the, the big eyes and the little hues and, and you don't worry about who's part of the upper crust. Somebody said the upper crust is just the crumbs held together by dough. And, and so, you know, you, you don't concern, you're not concerned about who's who in the church and, and what's what. Oh, you, you're just focused on getting the gospel to every creature. Unity of the same mind. I really believe that's one of the great features of Victory Baptist Church. We, and I could tell you more about that, but our time's running out. The secret to worship in uh, verse number four is rejoice. In verse number five, the secret to moderation. You know what that means? To, to be balanced in your life, to be balanced in your Christian life. Uh, God doesn't expect you to become some kind of monk and move to, uh, to Tibet and, and live in some kind of monastery. God wants you to be who you are, where you are, for His honor and for His glory. Can you understand? It does, it, it, what uh, Moderation is living for God in this world. Not becoming the world, but living for God in the, in the world. Moderation, living right. Right living and godliness, he's already mentioned that. He's mentioned godliness and he's mentioned moderation. And in, in the theme of these verses, the secret is that it's because the Lord is at hand. There's a lot of things that we do because we know that the coming of the Lord could be that soon. Are you ready? The secret of prayer is to pray about everything. Verse number six, the secret of peace is to, have, to hold your hearts and your minds. Now let me give you these three thoughts and we're done. Now let's look at the secret to satisfaction. All that leads up to this. In our verse, in verses six, in verse number seven rather, he said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. How can I be satisfied? Number one, the right kind of praying. The right kind of praying. You know what he tells us in these verses? You know what the right kind of praying looks like when, when Jesus gives the example of the Lord's Prayer as called over in uh, Luke chapter number 11. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. You know, you know, you know the model prayer. And so in our prayer life, number one, don't hold back. That's what he said. He said, be careful for nothing. Don't hold back when you pray. We get it. We get just like most of our life, our prayer life just becomes habitual. It's just something that we do. I have a prayer, I have the church prayer list in the front of my Bible uh, right here. This is the regular church prayer list. And I have it in the front of my Bible. And when I pull it out, when I'm in my study, I go down through these names and I call these names before God. 
Many times, many times. And then I have another prayer list right here. And uh, then there's another one. But you know, if you're not careful, you'll, uh, we won't be honest with God when we pray. It needs to be like the old song said, it's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Now we need to pray for everybody else and you need to pray for the pastor and you need to pray for the president. But I'm telling you, it's not me, it's not you, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Just don't hold back. How big do you think God is? Do you think that we're going to handicap God by asking Him something big? Do you think we're going to drain His resources when we hold back? I tell you, God just wants you to talk. He already knows before you open your mouth. He knows what's in your heart. And He knows what you have need of. We pray for two or three reasons. One is we need the practice. And the other one, we just need to pray. How's your prayer life this morning? If your prayer life is weak, you're not going to be a satisfied person. Ask God big things. Don't hold back. He knows how much money you need. He knows about your health situation. He knows about your, uh, he knows about your marriage. He knows about your finances. He knows all that already. But just be honest with God. Don't hold back. Lord, I'm going broke. I'm about bankrupt. Lord, I want, uh, my family is in jeopardy. It's like a time bomb ready to go. Just tell God all about it. You might not be able to tell all those blabbermouths down at the church, but you can tell God anything and everything. Number two, pray about everything. Heard a preacher tell a story one time. He bought a car out of, out of God's will. It was a deal. He bought it. He said that from the beginning it was a lemon. He said, I, I didn't even get it home before it broke down. I had to come get it on a rollback, take it back and patch it up again. He said, we'd drive it. It run hot. He said, it had the, the brakes went out. The battery was bad. The air conditioning went out. He said, everything on that car, he said, uh, w went wrong. And he said, but I knew when I bought it, I wasn't in God's will. And he said, well, I tried to sell it, but he said, God wouldn't even let me sell it. God said, you're going to drive that thing. You wanted it, you got it. He said, every time I'd get before the Lord and say, Lord, you know how bad we need a car. I got, I got ministry to do. He said, there was sometimes I had to hitchhike. Sometimes I had to call somebody to carry me on visitation because the old car would be broke down. You need to pray about every move you, everything. You know how you can be satisfied? The right kind of prayer life. I got to hurry. Pray about everything. And then always be thankful. Don't you love it when somebody says, well, somebody's got it worse than you have. That is, that is so uh, helpful and so, you know, it's just so stimulating. And, just, you know, to know that other people are worse off than I am. But it does kind of let us put things in perspective, doesn't it? Knowing that there's, I was in a restaurant one time and just, it was a Kentucky Fried Chicken. There was a, a man in front of me, his order was behind. He'd been waiting about 20 minutes and he was standing there fussing at the, the little, uh, little girl, little boy that was at the, at the, uh, behind the counter. And uh, 
He was, I, you know, I got, I, where's, hey, what are y'all doing back there? I mean, it, he was just loud and obnoxious. And so finally, I, I walked up to the counter, and he was still standing right here. And uh, the little girl, she's already shaking and nervous and everything. And she said, what would you like? And I made my order. And she said, it may be a few minutes. I said, ma'am, knowing that 10,000 children starve to death every day, I can wait 15 minutes on my food. I said it loud enough for him to hear it. I can wait. Always be thankful. Always be thankful. Number one, the right kind of praying. Number two, the right kind of thinking. Verse number eight, I'll just read it. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know what he's doing? He's establishing a pattern in our lives so we can be satisfied. And be satisfied. The right kind of thinking, the right kind of praying. Without elaborating on that, let's move to the final point. I think this one is important. The right kind of living. The right kind of living. Look in verse number 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard of me uh, and, and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. There's something about living bringing satisfaction. There's a, just because you have life, just because your heart is thumping and, and your respiratory system is functioning and you're up and you're about, you might have life, but that doesn't mean that you're living. I'm not talking about living it up, but I'm talking about enjoying the life that God has given us. That will bring satisfaction. Look at all we have. We're not, we're not a rich people. I don't know how true it is. You, you can hardly say anything behind the pulpit anymore because somebody can check you out in 30 seconds. You know, you, when you deal with statistics and all those kind of things. But I heard years ago, and it may not be true, that the highest, the highest rate of suicide per capita is among the richest people in the world. You used to talk about millionaires being rich. Now, it's, you know, it's billionaires, you know. That are, that are the wealthy. And they can live it up. Do you have the right kind of living? Maybe in your family, in your home, in your life? Are you miserable with life as it is? Some people are. Some people, they're so, they object to everything. They're not happy with anything. They, they spend all of their lives and, and they're always tangled up in this web of what's going on and current events and all those kind of things. I get, I get uh, emails all the time, you know, about uh, all, all, everything, about war and about COVID and about vaccines and all these kind of things, just a constant bombardment of information, always pin, just kind of 
penetrating our minds and our hearts. Here's three things we can do to have the right kind of living. Number one, believe in the providence of God. That's what he said. Believe in the providence of God. Believe in the providence of God. One preacher said, life is not filled with accidents. I'm not 100% on this, but appointments. The things that you're going through, God either allowed them to happen or he initiated their happening. Whatever you're suffering through, whatever you're going through, God knows about it. He either allowed it to take place or he caused it to take place. The providence of God. He knows where you are. Number one, believe in the providence of God. Number two, receive the promise of God. Receive the promises of God. The, uh, back to the other point. Um, they found uh, in George, one of George Mueller's uh, Bibles that verse in the book of Psalms and uh, uh, having to do with the steps. It said, the steps of a good man are ordered of God. That's the providence of God. And they said, he had a footnote in his Bible, and he said, uh, he said it like this, the stops too. The steps of a good man are ordered by God, but the stops are too. Isn't that good? You can't always do everything you want to do, be everything you want to be. You can't always, sometimes the best move you can make is no move at all. No move at all. Finally, the secret to satisfaction. Believe in the providence of God. That's a huge statement. Receive the promise of God and then finally, achieve the purpose of God. You'll be satisfied. My dad... I'll, I'll thank God for good old-fashioned dad. My dad was born in the early 20s, and, and uh, I was born in 1950. Um, I'm, I'm glad that I was raised in just kind of an old-fashioned home. And uh, my dad was a, a good man. He was a hard man, but he was a good man. And he, he got saved after I got saved. He had... Uh, he had but uh, he, to he told the story one time, he, stole, he told it a hundred times. He said when he was a, a young boy, he and one of his friends, there weren't any churches in their area, There's a, there was a black church in their area, and he said that he, him and, and one of his brothers, not one of his friends, said they'd walk about three miles on Sunday, and they'd stand outside the window of that church and listen to that preacher preach. And my daddy told the story, he said, when I was standing outside that window about eight years old, God called me to preach. And he never did it. He never did it. Never preached. It bothered him too. The secret to satisfaction is achieving God's purpose for your life. If God's called you to preach, preach. God's called you to sing, sing. God's called you to teach, teach. You'll never be satisfied outside of what God has called you to do. What God has called you to do. The secret 
and getting to satisfaction. Would you stand with us for prayer? Father, we thank you for the day. Lord, I thank you for these words from your word. Lord, it's so difficult in this world the way society has trained us and groomed us that we can be satisfied if, if we get a lot of things. Lord, I thank you for everything that I have. Lord, I'm grateful this morning for the clothes on my back, the shoes on my feet, the shelter, all that you've done for us. Lord, help us to be satisfied. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. While these are